and welcome to the North Decatur Presbyterian Church Sermon Series. We're a PCUSA congregation in Decatur, Georgia. If you'd like to find out more about us, go to ndpc.org or just come by and visit. Here's this week's sermon. This week is the most important week for Christians. This week, we remember the events in the last week of Jesus's life. We've already started by remembering this strange parade up the hill to the capital city, Jerusalem. There, Jesus will name the powers as corrupt because they aren't leading according to the will of God. And the powers respond by conspiring to kill Jesus. Jesus will also spend this last week with his friends. They know by now that he is special. They believe he's God's Messiah and they wonder how will this revolution unfold this week? How will Jesus rise to power? Jesus gathers them all in an upper room, but not to plan the revolution, at least not in a traditional sense. Jesus will wash their feet and serve them and tell them to hold these actions in their bodies forever. And by doing that, Jesus says, you will bring God's saving power into our world. And then Jesus says to his friends, they are coming for me. Stay awake with me and we will go to sleep. And while we sleep, the powers, religion, the military, the judicial system, they will assemble against Jesus's love and they will find him guilty and they will beat him and kill him. These events of Jesus's life, which we recall today and on Monday, Thursday and on Good Friday, you are asked to see a bit more than just the last days of Jesus. You are also invited to see the truth of your human condition, to see your capacity for hope and love, to see also how you are caught up in individual and systemic sin, to see how your best intentions and efforts are often not enough. And we see also our suffering and our death. It's not hard, of course, at this moment that we're sharing together to see how our life, just like Jesus's, can be tragic. We have heard all kinds of heartbreaking stories from the world around us, stories from people whose loved ones suddenly became very sick and how they were prevented from being with their beloveds even as they died. Folks who have shared 40 or 50 years of deep companionship are forced apart in the very moment when the physical presence of a beloved matters the most. Our powers against this illness that is around us seem futile. You are not powerless, not entirely, but you surely are also not invincible. This virus is also making plain some of the failures of our leaders and 
the tragic flaws in the way we arrange our society. The virus doesn't discriminate, but we do. And the suffering from the virus and its economic shock will not be felt equally by all of us. Some of us will suffer more and no amount of charity that we offer can change this. When we hear the Holy Week story, we may see and feel how we ourselves are complicit in it and how we are powerless to stop the forces of death when they gather against life. The dominant theme of the culture that you and I live in, the one that we share day to day is optimism. We are told from the, the second we're born to the moment we die that we're supposed to be optimistic. Advertising above all else sets the tone, buy this thing, embrace this plan, travel to this place, you will be happy. We're told that we deserve happiness, that our cups should be half full and ever rising. As Americans, we live perpetually on the resurrection side of Easter. Think positively, we are told. Embrace your best life now. All this talk makes us think maybe that happiness is our birthright and that if we don't experience life as nonstop joy and blessing and abundance, maybe something is wrong with us. Maybe God has abandoned us for someone with a cheerier outlook. I think it's important this week, this week especially, to name out loud that all of this life is happiness talk is a lie. One of my mentors said to me a long time ago that happiness is not a gospel value. I didn't like it at all when she said it, but she is right. Reinhold Niebuhr, whom we've talked a lot about in the last month, wrote, the truth is that the human story is not a success story. No politician will admit that. That truth does not sell many products. Novels and movies that confess life's tragic character don't make money, but it's true. And it's powerful to admit it out loud. Our human life is a hard one. It is quite often painful and difficult and often tragic. You don't need me to repeat all the ways this is so, but perhaps just a few will help. We are the most destructive species to ever walk the face of this earth. We are systematically even now destroying conditions for life on our planet. Our nation is a bully nation. We get our way through war and through the threat of war. The society that we have made is wealthy, but not good. We abide by vastly different outcomes and pretend the outcomes don't exist or don't matter. Some of our neighbors will die this very day without food or medicine, while others of us will die from too much food or by over-medicating. We see difference instead of our sameness. We choose competition over cooperation. We obey the laws of supply and demand instead of the laws of justice and mercy. And even if we look at just our individual lives, we still acknowledge that they are difficult and often tragic. You and I end up anxious a lot of the time about things like money and status. We doubt at the level of the soul whether we are good enough, whether we're beautiful enough or likable enough. We do not know how to be present to our feelings. 
And we certainly don't know how to share them in a safe way with each other. We are often isolated and lonely. We don't know how to love the people closest to us without also hurting them. Many of us don't know how to say, I'm sorry. We throw people away when we don't need them, just like we do with things. Perhaps the hardest thing to accept about the life that we share with one another is that sometimes we do manage to get life right. We manage to give and receive love, to love one another with a long and steady grace. And even when we manage to do this and do it well, our reward is that we are left to grieve our beloveds when we die. Now, I'm not, I'm not just trying to get you down this morning. Our lives contain great goodness. All of us can experience happiness and joy and delight, maybe even a little bit every single day. But my own life's journey has shown me again and again that we human beings will try and fail in our attempts at real goodness, at decency, at fairness, at integrity, and at love. This is what it means to say that our human story is not a success story. This is why we need the story of Jesus during Holy Week. Jesus' story is not a success story. He is the anointed one of God, and he comes to inaugurate God's new world, which is really a very old world rooted in the original goodness and sufficiency of the creation. Jesus comes to renew God's covenant with our creation, to affirm God's promise to care for us and to remind us of our call to care for each other. So Jesus will feed and heal our bodies He will mock those people who have power by deceit and violence. He will tell us that power is found in things like humility and meekness and mercy, things we often call weak. Jesus will tell each of us that we can change, that our lives are given to us by God so that we can give them away in service to each other. He will tell us there are no more enemies just more complex people to learn how to love. Jesus' message of salvation is both marvelously grand and disarmingly simple. Wash each other's feet, share your food, and be merciful and forgiving. But our story, our story of this week says that the powers of the world will take this beautiful and honest soul who is full of love and integrity, and they will kill him. The people who have seen and felt and received the gifts of Jesus' life and believe in the world that he opens, we will run away and hide. This week's story says that our human life is tragic. If you believe in the world that Jesus shows, if you give yourself like Jesus, if you love like Jesus, life just may crush you. And many of us won't even get that far. We will turn our backs on the life that Jesus brings. We will deny knowing him when it means we have something to give up. We will run and hide, watching from afar as Jesus' life is destroyed. Holy Week's story has no heroes, only human beings. It is a story about people who find ourselves surrounded 
and overwhelmed and overcome by the encroaching forces of death. This is our story. Our story says that life leads to the cross, all of life. No one avoids it and no one escapes. And even so, there is good news to be found here. The good news is that our story, our story is also God's story. Jesus who comes to be with us and for us, to love us so that we can learn anew how, how to love, Jesus will not avoid our fate. He does not slip out a side door when things get hard. Jesus shares our life. He knows what it is to be us, even and especially when everything falls apart, when we are alone, without hope, when we suffer, and when we die. Jesus knows all of it. I used to recoil when people talked about the goodness of the cross. But I have come to believe in that goodness, at least in this way. The good news of the cross is that God is unfailingly with you and for you in every moment of your life. The good news of the cross is that when the powers of death assemble around him, God never abandons the slow grace of suffering love. This love, uncorruptible, unbreakable, undefeatable, this love is what saves us, each of us, one at a time. And this love in this way saves the world. The story of Jesus, like our story, is not a success story. But because it is not a success story, it is a good story, a truly good story, perhaps the best story of all. Let the people together say, Amen.